Welcome back to another episode of Obsessive Edification. I'm your host, Monica, and today we're going to start an exciting journey down some leadership theory content. We're going to talk about the definition of leadership and its history. We're going to talk about leadership versus management, reflect on our own philosophy, the base of our power, and more. So come along and let's get to talking about some leadership development. All right, let's jump into this Leadership Theory and Practice book by Peter Northaus for my next graduate course on leadership theory. And when I say I am giddy about this content, I can't tell you how much more interested I could be in content. And I realize theory is not for everyone. But I've always loved a good theory conversation and I'm definitely going to link this book. I know it's a textbook, but if you are listening and you like some leadership theory in your life, you've got to get this book. I feel like this would be a really good book study book, but the chapter starts off. I can't even talk about it without smiling because I'm just so into this about how the definition of excuse me, I don't want to cough through this and who wants to record a podcast while coughing. That's so obnoxious, but I can't help that. I want to record this episode because it talks about the evolution of the definition of leadership and who knew since early 1900s that the definition of leadership has changed so significantly to what it is today in the 21st century. And it's just really interesting that how like in the early 1900s, And hopefully this isn't boring to anyone, but I guess all you have to do is press stop if you don't want to listen to it. That leadership was defined from the old school way. And this is like the literal definition of old school because it's from the early 1900s of control, power, and domination. So of the way of impressing this control, the obedience, like you're going to obey me, I'm the leader. To where they move into the 1930s where there still is this influence of dominance, but then there's also this kind of introduction of personality traits of both the individual as a leader and then the group that they serve. And then you kind of move into the 1940s, which is just, this is all just so freaking interesting to me that there is this leadership definition of the behavior of an individual while involved in directing group activities. That's from Hemp Hill, 1949. But then also they're kind of in this drivership role by coercion. Then you move into the 1950s where the definition really moves into a continuance of a group theory type of idea And it's like what people are still looking at, like what leaders are doing in these groups. And then also there's this relationship connection to what the leader is doing around what the group's shared goals are. So I thought that was interesting that leadership is now looking at being based on the behavior of the leader and then also by their effectiveness. Like what is their ability to influence the overall group and how that group performs? And then it kind of moves into the 1960s where then the real definition of leadership in that time is how the behavior influences people in the group towards shared goals, which you'll kind of see is pretty similar to what it is today with some different variances. And then 
1970s, it moves into an organizational leadership type of direction. And it's really about initiating, maintaining groups or organizations to accomplish group organizational goals from Rost 1991. So it is becoming a process that's based off of like how the organizational health is. Then you go into the 80s and there's a lot more conversation around influencing traits, transformational leadership, what kind of transformational processes and non-coercive influencer leaders have and what kind of, what really the thing was around like followers need to do what the leaders want done. And then you go into 1990s, which is hilarious because it's just a decade later. And then you really start to see what, I guess I didn't realize this is from the 90s. I thought it was way more recent, servant leadership, which I really thought was a more recent principle than I just talked about. But where you have this caring principle focusing on the followership and the followers needs. And then this adaptive leadership where leaders are really just trying to confront and solve problems and encourage followers to do that and empowering their followers. excuse me. And then you kind of go into where we're at today, which is like 21st century. And it's so multi-layered. Like you kind of see these two, I would say two to three dimensional definitions of leadership pre 21st century. And then you look at the definition of leadership today and there's just so many different facets of the definition, which I think is very interesting. And it speaks to kind of the information age of the internet and how everybody has an opinion to, I mean, um, these are all obviously research-based. This is a theory textbook, but it just talks about how like authentic leadership, how it's important for leaders to show authenticity in this leadership definition, ethical leadership, how it's drawing attention to appropriate conduct of leaders. Then you have spiritual leadership that focuses on leaders, like really diving into like their values and what their sense of calling is. And if they will, they're higher power type of beliefs, discursive leadership, which is their communication practices and how they can kind of negotiate between themselves and the followers that they have, humble leadership, which is pretty self-explanatory and inclusive leadership, which just speaks to the climate that we're in today and how important it is for leaders to be focusing on diversity, et cetera. So it, it is funny that like in the end, the common denominator is that like there's so many leadership definitions and I've said this in my conversations is just somebody who leads efforts of leadership development and in the organization that I serve in is that when you ask somebody like what is leadership to you everybody has so many different definitions and I remember being a young volleyball coach pre my current position you know especially getting a master's um in a degree that was tied to leadership development and really trying to ask myself like what was my leadership philosophy and it's such a loaded question and being in your early 20s it's such it's so intense to think like what do I believe about leadership and like unless you've had intentional conversations around that you know growing up as an athlete or being a college athlete like we have a lot of conversations about that with your coaches fellow teammates etc but once you're leading the pack and once you're in a position of leadership now all of a sudden you're the one who's going to be defining it for the people that you lead so in that I really started to 
tried to define what I believed in so I could define it to others. And honestly, what I was drawn to was John Wooden's success pyramid. And if you haven't seen that, if you don't know who John Wooden is, is he's the most winningest NCAA basketball men's coach. And what I like about his pyramid of success is there's just 13 components to it. That's just so self-explanatory, easy to read, easy to like, well, first of all, we all, not we all know, but it's pretty simple to know that like, if you do the right things for in leadership, they're going to lead to organic benefits because if you do the right thing, of course I can't pull this up because I'm trying to talk about it right now, but you know, if you do the right thing, they're going, then the right things will happen for you. And what I liked about this pyramid is that there's all these different types of leadership qualities that you can show, do, et cetera, ask the people that you lead to follow. And then essentially success will come, right? That's like the whole idea of it. Of course, I cannot pull up um, thing, but on, on it is basically like competitive greatness, poise, confidence. These are all things you can use in any type of organization, condition, skill, team spirit, self-control, alertness, initiative, intentness, industriousness, friendship, loyalty, cooperation, enthusiasm. And then at the top is faith and patience. And then it leads all to success. And I just like love the simplicity of this and you can get different versions of the pyramid of success and there's different ones with definitions, etc. But I just loved that like there were just 13 characteristics that he focused on with his programs, and obviously <laughs> the focus worked. I mean, he was the most winningness in all of NCAA men's basketball history. So I don't know why I got off on that tangent, except that it came, oh, I know, full circle. That's how I helped define my personal philosophy. And then obviously after being 15 years in my career, it's been a little more refined than that. And now that I'm diving deeper into this content and now that I'm obsessed with this leadership development content and I get to dive into it in my everyday job now, I just refine it more and more and more and can't get enough of it. So I just, if you're listening and you're leading or you're, even if you're leading yourself, it's so important just to look back at the definitions and kind of just ask yourself, like, what do at the core of who you are as a leader, like, what is your philosophy? What do you believe in? And then really start to strip it away. Like, what do you believe in about followership? What do you believe in? How do these different things affect you? What shaped your philosophy? What were different factors that got you here? Has your philosophy changed over the years? Do you see that it could change in the future? Does it change in different situations? Does it change around people or is it solid all the time? There's just so many questions that you can really reflect on. <clears throat> and I'm sure if you Google it, there's probably a million <laughs> reflection questions that you could do too. Um, but I just, I liked that there was just different types of components that this, um, that this t- chapter talks about <laughs> really made me think about if, if leadership is a trait or a process. And I cannot decide what I think. So basically, you know, we've all heard stories like, oh, that's a natural leader. Or you like look at someone, you're like, yeah, that person has it. Like you can't describe what it is, but you're like, that person has it. 
And then other people, you might, I heard somebody explain the other day, they walked by a principal and they came into her office and they said, who was that person? And they said, oh, it's so-and-so. Like, what does he do? And they said, oh, he's the principal of such and such building. I said, oh, so interesting. I would never peg him as a principal just because of the way, you know, he's just quieter and the way he carries himself, et cetera. And just doesn't come across as like this typical, quote unquote, stereotypical, I should say, principal type of leadership profile. And so when you think about that, the trait perspective of leadership basically says that like individuals have this special or like innate or inborn characteristics that make them leaders and they, that differentiate them from non-leaders in the world. So it can be anything. It can be like physical factors are really tall or they have personality features. Like they're very outgoing, charismatic, great public speakers, or they have other characteristics. Like they're extremely smart. They're amazing communicators etc. And so it just says that these have, that makes them, okay, sorry. So this process suggests that leadership then can only happen with specific people because not everybody has those qualities, right? So it makes leadership essentially a little bit more restrictive and who it could be basically available to, right? But process would mean that leadership is based off of like the type, like basically it's like a learned process so that you can learn the way to be a leader. These are skills. You're, you don't have to be born with them. And so therefore it would make it more available. And then you can get even deeper where it can be assigned leadership versus emergent so a sign would be like your title, like literally your manager, director, etc. And then emergent would be how other people view you. So I just really think about like the group of people at work. So wherever you work, there's a group of people and people always go to this one person. They're kind of like the emergent leader, but they might not be the technical leader or the assigned leader of that group. So, um, it's funny because researchers show, this is what the book was saying, that in emergence, in emergent leaders, personality plays a role, which is obvious, like kind of an obvious research, but I'm glad they have something to back it up because of course people are going to be drawn to emergent leaders that have like the charisma or the communication or the knowledge or the, the ability to be clear in their communication, et cetera. So I just, I thought that was interesting. So I'm like, what do you believe, listener? Do you believe it's a trait or a process? So I just, it's just interesting. And when you're thinking about your own power as a leader, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what kind of base of power do you have? And there's six that there, that kind of has been the power, I would say calibration chart of the last 40 years comes from the book End of Leadership by Kellerman, 2000. Um, nope, not 2000. I don't know what year it comes from. I can put it in there. 
1962, the basis of social power, my bad. So um, there's six bases of power. So referent, expert, legitimate, reward, coercive, and information. And this is just good to reflect on. And, and maybe your power changes depending on what kind of situations you're in. Obviously, some of these are not very positive, And so you might want to reflect on that. <coughs> Excuse me. So referent is one. And that's based off of like the follower would identify this type of power. And they basically like you. And so that's a, a teacher is adored by their students. Expert, it just means like the leader is competent. A legitimate power would be someone having status or the actual job authority. Reward power would be because you as a leader can provide rewards to others. And that can even mean in the form of compliments. So like your people, your followers know that you will give them compliments. So then they will give you that quote unquote power. Coercive power would be because you penalize or punish others. So like a coach who sits players on the bench or being late to practice, that would be coercive power. And then information power is the last one. People have, they, you have the knowledge that people want or need. So a boss has information regarding new criteria. So it's just important to look at that and to figure out what kind of power and base of power that you have. And so this part, leadership and morality, really got me questioning a few things. And this is how I'm going to wrap it up, I think. So the book asks, and considering the relationship between leadership and morality, and I want you to ask this question too, to yourself. Like, do you agree or disagree with this? Like, Hitler's rule in Germany could be considered a good example of leadership. But really, you can ask this question of any leader, right? And so, this is not a political statement or anything. This is just like a basic, we all know what kind of leader he was. And then, do you agree that he's a good example of leader? And I've actually thought this before, and I was just interesting to see this in a textbook about leadership. And so, if you, if you think about that for a second, and you can pause it if you just really want to reflect... If you answered agree, you probably come down on the side of thinking that leadership's kind of a neutral, amoral phenomenon. You might think it's obvious that Hitler was a leader because obviously the guy was persuasive. He persuaded people to do horrendous things and he did have an impact on Germany and the world. On the other hand, if you disagree, most likely do not think of Hitler's leadership as being positive in any way, or that he was a model of leadership. And he might, you might think he's repugnant because you reserve the concept of leadership for non-destructive leaders who create change for the common good. That's what the book's saying. And you can't divorce leadership from values. So I thought this was interesting because this is the debate of leadership. So is leadership... Is it, it, does it have a moral dimension or not? And like how many conversations have we seen in the news or how many conversations have we had about leaders who make poor choices in their personal life? And then everybody wants to talk about, well, that doesn't mean they did it in their professional life. So, and I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation where I'm like, "Mm, well, if this guy is doing this in his personal life and it involved dishonesty, do you really think this is my personal opinion? or female, male or female, 
do you really think this person is just delineating? Okay, y'all, I'm going to be my, I'm putting my professional hat on. So now I'm going to be an honest person to me. If you're being dishonest in your personal life, then why would you put on a hat morality just because you're going into your professional setting or your leadership title? So to me, I can't separate it, but I can see that even if you are a bad leader, if you are persuasive and you get people to move towards a common goal on the neutral definition side of leadership, you could be considered an effective leader. I wouldn't say a good leader. I wouldn't say a moralistic, that's not a word. I wouldn't say someone who's doing something for the right thing. But you are an effective leader because according to some leadership definitions, it's moving people towards a common goal, right? So I kind of like, I think of it like multiple ways, depending on the, depending on the definition of leadership. But like personally, I think leadership and morality and ethics go hand in hand. Like, am I perfect? Absolutely not. But do I have a hard time serving leaders who don't have a high emphasis on ethics? in all aspects of their lives. Yeah. I would say people that know me know that I really care deeply about ethical leaders and leaders that do the right thing and leaders that show model leadership skills, not perfection, but I just, I care deeply about really strong leadership (laughs) and most people that know me know that. So, um, It's just interesting to ask yourself, like, do you think leadership is a moral process? And so it just talks about so many different types of concepts. The last one's about leadership versus management. Again, we have conversations all the time. Myself and coworkers are friends. I should have done this with allergies. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm drinking water at the same time while coughing. Where we say, like, sometimes they could be a manager of a group where they might call themselves a leader of the group, but there's a difference between leading and managing. And I love that the book kind of says, like, a manager really oversees, like, order and consistency of an organization, but leaders are really in charge of change and movement. And there's this great chart in the book, page 17 specifically. Someone go please buy this book and let me know you bought it because I'm like, can we please talk about all things from this book? Um, who knew you'd be geeking out about a theory textbook, but it's just so interesting, but like managing really means to like accomplish activities. It's task driven. And then leading is to influence and create vision for change. And it's just talk. I love this quote and it comes from, um, Bennis and Nanus. I don't know. They're the researchers. I'd have to look at the actual thing, but managers are people who do things right. And leaders are people who do the right thing. Say it for the people in the back. And just, it was talking about how leadership is a multi-directional influence relationship and management is a unidirectional authority relationship. I'm going to repeat that because it's too good. Put it on a shirt and sell it on a Friday. Leadership is a multi-directional influence relationship. Management is a unidirectional authority relationship. I can't. It's like Christmas. 
in the form of content. And they just talk about this study and that was done in 2012. So it's a little bit old, about a decade. But they talked to 43 experts about leadership and management. I got to make this quick because I don't want this to get too long. But <clears throat> they found an overlap and differences between leadership and management under 63 different competencies. But basically they found that leadership was distinguished specifically about intrinsic motivation, creative thinking, you know, people being okay with this like growth mindset, being able to read others and management was really about rule orientation, short-term planning, extrinsic motivation, orderly, orderly, um, dog just jumped safety concerns and timeliness so it really was a difference between the different types of motivation and how to lead teams oh my gosh nothing like your dog scaring you from them having a bad dream in the middle trying to read about management and leadership this is going to be a podcast episode to remember am i right so anyways it just shows that managers are reactive and preferred to work with people to solve problems and leaders are emotionally active and involved. So, like, do you consider yourself an emotional, emotionally involved? Or are you just managing people to get things done? So, hopefully this theory, this theory was an interesting content episode for you. Hopefully it made you think about your personal leadership or the leaders in your life. And, like, what you believe about leadership. Maybe you learned a little something about it. And yeah, come along on this journey of a little bit of a theory content. There's more where that came from. I do need to still go back. I said I was going to bring to you all that HBR, what was it? An army emotional intelligence uh, article. I need to go back and find it from the last class I took. But I'll link the theory textbook here so we can kind of go along into a podcast book study about it. I will kind of dive into this and maybe some other journal articles as well. So thanks for coming along. See you next time on the next episode. I hope this information was interesting to you as we dove into the definition of leadership and talked about the different components of what leadership can mean and management versus leadership and what it means to maybe have traits and be born with it versus is this a process that can be learned. I hope you're walking away with a bit of a reflection about how you are as a leader and maybe on the leaders in your life. And so here's the next time and being obsessed with edification.